the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Welcome to Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg. And it is Panhandle Live for the second day of January 2024. Broadcasting, as always, from the Hoppy Kerchival Building here in Martinsburg, West Virginia. And Panhandle Live, as always, driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto. Luke Wiggs and Marsha Kowalik with you. Marsha, how are you on, uh, what's today, Tuesday, the second day of the new year? We've Yeah, it's, it's going pretty well so far. That's good to hear. Good yeah. to hear. And uh, happy to have our first guest in studio with us. Um, as a matter of fact, the, the first guest of the year in studio, mm. and that is former Berkeley County Sheriff Nathan Harmon. Oh, Welcome nice, in. Nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. And that, yeah, I'll hold on to that title for being the first uh, of the year for WEP. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thanks for, for being in studio with us, and thank you for being willing to talk to us. Obviously, mm-hmm. we've been covering this at length. Um, you, uh, there was a petition for your removal as sheriff of Berkeley County, uh, and uh, just last week was your last day in office, uh, and, and you wanted to come in and kind of talk about that, so I'm going to let you have the floor. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, and uh, definitely uh, this opportunity, because I think the public needs to know uh, what happened, how it happened, uh, to, for clarity. I mean, we, we see uh, the petition released and, you know, these 12 items on a list, this bullet list. And, of course, uh, my legal counsel had me lip-tied for a long time, and I couldn't comment on things, social media or otherwise. So um, I felt the need to uh, schedule this so the public was aware of exactly uh, what occurred um, and, and I'll admittedly say this, uh, if I'm guilty of anything, it's guilty of being a father and, um, the reason and reasoning behind, uh, me giving my daughter a PBT test was because it was 20 minutes after the accident investigation was over. So when you see deputy Henderson turn his body camera off, uh, it was 15 to 20 minutes after that that I gave my daughter a PBT. That is a completely separate incident. It didn't happen at the accident scene. And um, that is me trying to see if my daughter's lying. And you know, if, if I'm guilty of anything, it is that. And if people want to hold me to the fire with that, um, you know, I understand if, if they feel uh, it's a, uh, it should be part of the accident, but um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say uh, there's plenty of folks out there that have done the same thing as I did. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where uh, it's, it's what would be considered in legal term de minimis. Uh, you know, if I, if I drive my cruiser as a family man to Weiss's grocery store to buy a gallon of milk and my cruiser is that private gain and someone could pursue it or, construe it as a private game, but is it, is it, um, um, something that would, uh, create a major issue? Uh, in my mind, absolutely not. So if the, if the test was given after the initial investigation wrapped up, uh, and as the information that we got from the Berkeley County prosecutor's office indicates, she did have a blood alcohol level that exceeded the legal limit. 
even that 20 minutes after the investigation uh, concluded. Uh, wouldn't that be something you should have reported to the initial investigator? Well, keep in mind that's that's their interpretation and the only thing they got uh, to roll on with that specific uh, statement is a person's statement whom I terminated uh, four months after the, the accident on separate issues. So uh, I don't know what ulterior motives there are. I know what was indicated to me, and it wasn't anything in the realm of being over any limit. Uh, matter of fact, the thumbs up and saying under is what was uh, understood by me. So, And then my daughter saying that she blew under um, and, and kind of making a comment uh, uh, being smart because I was being a dad. But uh, literally the state has nothing but a, a, a statement from – a, a person that I had terminated. So, so that, you're saying that the, the information that is out there saying that she blew over the blood alcohol limit um, is incorrect and, and there's no paper trail that would indicate that that test was, was true, that, that this is hearsay. That's correct. That's a statement from someone that, that again, I no longer works for the sheriff's office and, um, and what he says, uh, based off what I interpreted, um, obviously two completely different stories. Um, so again, the only thing that the state has is that. And not only are you saying that, but you're saying your daughter after taking the test said that she had said that it was, it was under the, the legal limit. She did. Okay. And, and then you look at the, you look at the, uh, her actions during the video all in by itself. I mean, there's nothing in there that shows, that she's intoxicated. She doesn't have slurred speech. She doesn't have bloodshot eyes. Uh, she's actually articulate enough to say, you know, what date do you want me to put on here? Because it was shortly after midnight. Do you want me to put the day before? You want me to put now? Um, so, you know, if, and I trust Deputy Henderson's judgment. If he indicated and had, and I want to make this perfectly clear, at no point in time did I ever uh, direct Deputy Henderson, advise direct, uh, Deputy Henderson, or impede Deputy Henderson's investigation. Like I said, and I've always said, the moment he shut that body camera uh, off, he was done. He had already walked the scene, took photographs, talked to people, got her statement, got the vehicle's information, and took photographs. So it was, he was done. And it was 15 to 20 minutes after that, at the cemetery entrance, that I gave my daughter a PBT. So it's, uh, or I had uh, my daughter given a PBT. So it was, uh, uh, and that's, that's, and that's it. Now you take this, the rest of this situation that's been blown up and, and I will say it is the weaponization of the legal system. What Miss uh, Delgatti decided to do, which thrusted this whole thing into, uh, you know, a, a very fast paced decision-making process for me, I was going to fight those charges 100%. The four misdemeanors. Absolutely. 100%. So what she did is she decided to add eight other things to my four charges, and uh, so which made it 12. And uh, I know for a fact that, one, she's never called me, never interviewed me, um, or, or has uh, anyway uh, contacted me in relation to any of those eight uh, petitions in terms of questioning me or the validity of those things. I, I could, I'm sorry. I could tell you that the Ethics Commission approved the use of my truck, my relationship with Summit Point, 
And uh, I advocate for anybody to FOIA financial records from Summit Point because they will understand and see that I did not financially gain. Uh, I never trained my deputies for financial gain. The Summit Points offered free training venues to the to my office. As I was trying to fight the petition, they were currently giving our deputies the uh, free use of a outdoor range uh, for our annual quals. And uh, Miss Wilkes sits there and, and, and files this and creates all this smoke on purpose because the civil process goes a lot faster than the criminal. So what would have had to, what would have happened, and I need people to understand this, I would have had to argue my four charges civilly, and then the burden of proof is a lot less. So then you take my argument from that civil case of those four charges, and she was going to give that to Dan James, the special prosecutor, for my March hearing. Guaranteed, hands down. Uh, because it would have been used against you in, absolutely the, in the criminal Absolutely, court. 100%. So they were going to get my defense, my arguments, and all that uh, well before March, um, and before any uh, fruitful meetings. And that's, that's one of the strategic reasons of why she did it and why she wanted it to move so fast. Um, because it, I guarantee you all the additional eight things that she put in there uh, is null and void. It, it, she, it, was, a, it was a smoke screen and it was uh, a strategic pressuring for me to hurry up and do this plea agreement and, and uh, to, to obstructing. And I, I pled that because part of me, consciously, I had to say, if I had to do it all over again, the investigator, I want to change the thing I did that night, but the investigator, when he talked to me, I, I should have explained to him that in my mind, when he was asking me if I did a PVT, I was under the impression he was asking me about the accident investigation, whereas Deputy Henderson didn't do one. Um, you know, 20 minutes later, I did one and that's what's 20 minutes versus two hours, whether it's there in the cemetery or at my house. Was that the sin of omission though? I mean, you probably, you've investigated, you probably understood what he was getting at. Yeah, but you got to understand that, uh, as parents, which I'm a huge advocate of the, we need to be nosy and, and more proactive uh, and parenting because we, we see that issue a lot. Um, you know, my personal parenting, uh, approach should not be anybody else's business, but you know, unfortunately I, uh, I live, uh, in a glass house and my name's out there. And of course my daughter, uh, undoubtedly is probably taking advantage of that at, at some point. But I, I, I want to say this, um, I'm truly blessed with, uh, the support by my church family and by my wife, uh, hadn't it been for them because there there's been times and I'll, I'm saying this to the people out there that are going through, uh, a, maybe a similar struggle in life in 2023. I'm glad it's over. Um, you know, I hit rock bottom. I, I, there was times where, uh, I, I drank and, uh, I was in, uh, you know, a parking lot and I had to call a friend or, I, you know, a friend came and picked me up. And then, you know, so at some point there was, I had to realize that this, you know, I'm not going to let this beat me. And, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to make sure that though, that this doesn't happen to anybody else, that the weaponization of the judicial system, uh, should not occur against a citizen. What they should have done and what Kate, what Miss Wilkes or Delgati did was stole the vote the constitutional vote of the people 
the 10% of the voting population should be consulted to do this petition, not Ms. Wilkes going, uh, Delgatti going into a, a, an executive session and then speaking to them on privileged information that me nor my attorney even had discovery on or haven't even seen yet with the four charges. Mind you, this was November 3rd, right? We haven't had discovery. We haven't had an ounce of due process. My attorney's sitting there telling them how inappropriate it is. So we do our argument. It's based off that six-page rebuttal that they did not post or release with the petition, which is weird uh, because they had it. Uh, But they also kicked us out of the room for another 35 to 40 minutes. So Mrs. Delegati and Mr. Delegati could have their way with the commission. So what was said, I'll tell you what I think they said, because I foiled the records, and the only thing they have on recording is me. And I'm asking them, why didn't they record Miss Delegati or, and Mr. Delegati? Well, oh, we just shut it off, really. So this is not the way a citizen should be treated, especially a voted official. Kicking your attorney and, your, and the, the person that it's about, the victim in this situation, out of the room so Mrs. Delegati can bully her way through the commission and get their support. And I don't have a chance to rebut that. I don't have a chance to say that this is fictitious. I don't even have a chance to defend myself with whatever she said. And I guarantee you it was evidence from the four charges that I never even got to see at that point. We're visiting this uh, morning with former sheriff of Berkeley County, Nathan Harmon. As you mentioned, um, you had four counts against you that were criminal. Those were misdemeanors. You did plead guilty to one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in that petition for removal, as you mentioned, there were other um, items mentioned that came about during their investigation. One of those, as you uh, referenced, your other job at Summit Point um, and as that documentation says, this is from from the information from the Berkeley County uh, Prosecuting Attorney's Office, and I'm giving you a chance sure. to answer this. Uh, the county has records of less than $500 in expenditures with uh, the Summit Point uh, training. And since Sheriff Harmon took office, the sheriff's office has spent more than $64,000 in taxpayer dollars uh, for trainings for deputy sheriffs and himself, all while Sheriff Harmon has received a paycheck so, um, you know, what's your response to that? I'm, I'm super glad you brought that up, Marcia, uh, because I think it's important. I find it repugnant that uh, Mrs. Delegati and her office has drug the uh, active shooter uh, emergency preparedness training and training in general through the mud. Uh, I did more training in my first year than my predecessor did in all four. Uh, to his defense, he had to fight through COVID and everything, but I'm talking about 2019 and, and then 2020. Uh, um, but you got to understand that if, if we're requiring our deputies to make a split second decision and be right 100% of the time, they have to have the training and the repetition in that training to establish muscle memory to, to make as right of a decision as possible. I campaigned on giving, uh, our deputies driving courses, emergency vehicle operations, driving courses. There's a law enforcement uh, driving course that's certified through the state that the training center offers, and it's literally $9,500 to $10,000 a course, up to nine students, because there's vehicle usage, track usage, classroom usage, fuel usage, uh, and then student registration fees. However much that is, I'm not in the financial part of it, but it accumulates to $9,500 to $10,000. We did six classes. 
So it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to do the math. And if you're saying that I spent $64,000 over the course of three years, um, I can tell you 99.9% of that training went towards driver's training. But I, the, the idea that it was at a facility that you also are employed well, at. Were deputies time? given the opportunity to go anywhere for the training? Was there any kind of other avenues of opportunity available removed from some of the points? No, that they had, okay. Yeah, absolutely. We did training site surveys on, uh, to who, uh, who offers a similar course uh, and where, mm-hmm. right? So now you're talking about exuberant expenditures in travel and lodging because the closest ones we found was Texas, mm. uh, uh, upper parts of uh, Pennsylvania, I think. But regardless... The training center not only offers free venues for our SWAT team and uh, and for our, our department, but they also uh, do a, a discounted uh, pricing for our agency. And they everybody gets to go home and see their family at the end of the day. And see, there's no training center that offers that same thing. So we did a training site survey. So you're saying your relationship actually benefited the f- the coffers of Berkeley County in that it, it created a cost savings. Well, I here you, here you have a premier training center 25 minutes down the road. Right. And when I was an instructor there, I'm sitting there asking myself, why isn't the law enforcement using this training center more often? Um, especially like the driving course. I think the $500 that my predecessor spent was sending a deputy to the training center after they were five accidents in to take a law enforcement accident or to take an accident avoidance course. That's not the way to do it. Did you get kickbacks for funneling contracts? 100% not. Matter of fact, my relationship and what I explained to the ethics commission is I do not teach a class where the deputies are being taught. And and I want to understand this as well. The, the timeline of this training, when it started, are we talking about several months, over a year? And and when was this issue brought Was this issue ever brought up before uh, uh, Katie Wilkes delegate, he brought it up as it being a potential issue. Oh yeah. We, we, I, I validated everything in September. Okay. Right. Uh, and had Mrs. Delegati even called my office. Um, I can count on three fingers as a department head. Miss Delegati called my office in three years. Hmm. Now that's not effectively. I, I'll just tell you that right now. Uh, her communication with my office, specifically with me, was literally null and void. Um, so I've, I've sent emails when the parents and the books and the schools were very uh, intrusive and pornographic. I wanted her input in terms of what her stance was. Three emails went unanswered completely. So I'm, the relationship just wasn't there for reasons unbeknownst to me and only known to her. So I want to give you a chance to um, to rebut another charge. These are not criminal charges, uh, mm-hmm. by the way. These were just, uh, mm-hmm. they came up in this petition for removal. Uh, item four uh, accuses you of retaliation against subordinates, witness intimidation, saying that you had significantly restructured assignments and authorities of deputies, rewarding those uh, you believed were personally loyal and punishing those who cooperated with the special prosecutor's investigation. What do you say to that? That is such uh, a... a, a embellishment. So I dug up uh, a specific bias and favoritism uh, in certain investigations in my office. I was elected by the people to get rid of it. And I call it a contribute. It contributes to the good old boy system. If they don't like you, you will not work there. 
type of mentality, and I hated it. People weren't giving, get, being given a fair uh, uh, chance. Matter of fact, uh, I found that people were going out of their way to pick up a phone and call other employers that they would find uh, this person applying to and then blackball them and, and call against them, which is uh, unnecessary. And, and uh, you know, it, I find it very immoral and unethical. So when I dug up this bias, unfortunately, the same the same folks involved were the same folks that were going to each other's bachelor parties and merit uh, weddings and stuff like that with the prosecuting attorney's office. Um, you know, there so there was a tight niche relationship. And when I, I'm going to revert back to what I said with the relationship between two department heads, Miss Delegati and myself. The reason why I wasn't being called or talked to was because my office was being circumvented, some of which by my own people, talking with her. And because I've scheduled three, four, five meetings with her about personnel, only to walk in her front door and finding out that she already knew about it. Well, how do you know about it? I didn't talk to you about it. This is our internal in our walls type of laundry that a department head deals with. How do you know about those issues? And uh, so it, my office was getting circumvented quite quite a bit. And I, I have a, a documentation all the way up through 11-month period when this started. So when you go back, it, it started February of 2023 when I started detecting this stuff. Either it was a heavy-handedness in discipline or it was a very biased uh, a background investigation done. Uh, and, um, you know, and admittedly, um you know, it, it, there was a confessions that my office was getting circumvented because they didn't agree with some of my choices. Now, my choices were out there on the table. Uh, I had nothing to hide. I went through civil service commission here in the county, and there were folks actively trying to circumvent the decisions made by the civil service commission that currently I'm going to have investigated. So you're saying that you were a potential whistleblower and that the the motivation for the prosecuting attorney's office and the county commission for this petition for removal is based on that? Uh, and t- in terms of, and yes, very similarly, yes. Uh, but we need to leave the county commission out of it because I think uh, I think uh, they had the wool pulled over their eyes, I think because of private conversations that apparently Miss Delegati had uh, with them. Now, mind you, that whole petition meeting, I had the right because the meeting affected me and they went into executive session. I had the right to call for that meeting to be public and they never offered me that. So one, my rights were violated with the meeting and the way it was ran in and by itself. Imagine walking through the front doors at nine thirty in the morning, being handed a 16 page document and within 10 minutes of being handed to that, and on page four, they're getting ready to vote. I was like, hold on, stop. What, what's going on right now? Well, we're getting ready to vote. You got something to say? Well, absolutely I do. And I told them about the 16 pages. I need time to digest it. And that's where the 3.30 uh, uh, continuance came, and I was able to write that six-page rebuttal in there. But mind you, a citizen walking, through, walking in the front door and being handed page, a 16-page document by the prosecuting attorney. How fair is that? Now, mind you, I've asked them because I stumbled on Mr. Delegati uh, trying to uh, interrogate one of my uh, employees, actually intimidating them to go to his office where he'd ask questions. Uh, I'm not going into the relationship and how 
I feel that it's an inappropriate relationship being that Mr. Delegati is the county commission attorney and Mrs. Delegati is the county attorney. Statutorily, the prosecuting attorney's office is the legal advisor of the commission. They've made this job up. But anyway, I got a statement from one of my employees on how intimidated they felt uh, and inter- and they felt that they were being interrogated, not to mention the unethical request from Mr. Delegati. He was asking my employee to lie. He, they, he was asking my employee to not say a word to me, to be deceitful about their conversation and not tell me. So once I got a hold of this, I've asked him, I asked uh, the prosecuting attorney, I've asked commissioners, what's going on? I'll give you whatever you want. What, what is it? And then next week, and because they said, well, we can't tell you. And then that following week, the petition comes. So I want you to wrap your head around that because that's how I was treated um, as a elected official by the people. She walks in, she bullies the commission. She ha- There's three ways to do this. The way she did it, all right, or the commission initiates it on their own, or the people, 10% of the voting population. Now, why wouldn't she go through the people? Because it wasn't fast enough, and it was, she wasn't willing to do the legwork, and she thought it faster to tactfully gain from getting my testimony on the defense of the four uh, charges to give to Dan James. At the end of the day, you did plead guilty to one of those misdemeanor charges, mm-hmm. uh, obstructing a law enforcement officer uh, pursuant to that. The state dropped the other charges. Uh, you did resign, and uh, they're misdemeanors. So yeah. what does this mean for your future? Could you run for public office again? Would you want to run for public office again or work in law enforcement? Uh, keep in mind that that, that obstructing is... is uh, I feel it's worded incorrectly. I mean, I, I pled to what I pled to. Um, the statement was written for me, uh, but I did what I did to get this stuff dropped. You signed so, off on that statement, Yes, though. I did sign off on it because, again, my I felt culpable because I should have mentioned to the investigator that uh, I shouldn't have separated the two. In my mind, I did as a father. What I do as a father and what my wife does as a mother is no one else's business. But what I did there and what versus what the accident uh, investigation, because it was over, my mind went somewhere else. I should have told the investigator uh, that I did run my daughter on a PBT 20 minutes after. Uh, so w- had I revealed that, would have things changed? I'm not so sure. Because, like I said, there's I uncovered quite a bit of uh, not only nepotism, favoritism, and bias, but uh, a very specific circumvention of my office that was going on. Um, uh, and But that's where I felt culpable. And the only thing I felt culpable of was I should have, if I had it over to do again, I would have told the investigator, well, hold on a minute, are you asking me about the accident investigation? Because after... The vehicle was in tow, and Deputy Henderson was sitting in his cruiser. For 15 minutes later, I, yeah, I got, I blew her on a PBT. Do you feel that you're fit to work as a law enforcement officer or to the level of sheriff again? 100%. I'm, I'll tell you this right here, and don't let anyone else fool you. There hasn't been I, – I, if, if we took a tally and everybody was honest, how many officers out there not only PBT'd themselves – or PBT'd them kid, their kids after returning from a party. 
I would guarantee you, you would find at least 60% of all officers tallied have done that. Okay. Uh, so what I did in the law enforcement blue line culture was acceptable, but because of what I uncovered, it was usable. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's unfortunate, but yeah, I would, uh, I can run again. And, uh, my wife and I are sitting down talking about things. Like I said, she sacrificed so much. Uh, she's been my huge supporter. I love her very much. Um, and the people, the people of this County, the pouring in of support. Um, there's no doubt in my mind, if I ran again, that I would win. And, uh, I might run. I might not. I don't know. Well, uh, and let me ask you this, uh, Nathan Harmons is our guest. I mean, amongst your peers, like you mentioned, law enforcement across the state, I mean, have you, has there been significant public vocal support? I mean, what, what has the response been from, from, from other police around the state of West Virginia? Um, uh, oh, wow. So uh, my department, specifically the patrol, I'd like to reach out to them and say thank you for all your support. Uh, I guarantee, uh, you know, just the messages that I've received, the phone calls that I've received, uh, I'd say 98% uh, of that department, uh, specifically patrol, uh, you get rid of my hallway, the command staff, and that department survives. Uh, you, you lose the faith and confidence of the patrol, that department crumbles. Hmm. All right, so um, it's, it's easy to make choices to, and, and I did. I made the harder choices of questioning my command staff and uh, questioning their um, you know, uh, approaches on things. But, uh, like I said, uh, there's doors that are open for me. Um, we're, me and my wife are looking at all of them. Uh, just the amount of other officers and citizens that have been messaging me, uh, since November is just, uh, it's a blessing. It's truly a blessing. Well, uh, before we have to let you go, I mean, any closing remarks, uh, you know, anything else that you want the listeners to know? As obviously, we really appreciate you giving us the time this morning. Yeah. So, you know, I want everybody to understand I'm a human being. And um, I lived in a glass house, and everything uh, that I did uh, has been out on front and center stage. The mantra across the nation, of course, once it hits social media, you get crucified. And in no way, shape, or form uh, should uh, perception become reality, but it is right. You throw a whole bunch of garbage in one topic matter, then it just makes it look horrible. I want to warn the voters. I want to warn our citizens that between, uh, artificial intelligence and technologies, this is going to be a horrendous election. And, uh, I advocate for the people to look at the candidate that physically does the legwork. And one of the things I'm actually proud of is the fact that I accomplished every single promise that I made in three years, every single one. And um, I'm proud of that. So you work at, you look at the person's work ethic. Has they, have they stood in front of you? Have they done the legwork? Or did they just make it a social media campaign? Look for the ones doing the small town halls. Go to the town halls. Be informed. And I, that's what I want to say to the public. Again, I want to Thank my wife. Uh, she has been my rock, my stone, my church family. Uh, again, being human, uh, I've made mistakes. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, those mistakes, like uh, Finally, thinking that West Virginia. Uh, alcohol would chase away my problems. I'm talking to those folks that are having similar problems. It's not uh, worth it. You know, uh, friends that you think are friends are not friends. You might get recorded. 
um, you know, for, for their own benefit or blackmail later. So, um, be careful. And, uh, if I'm always available, uh, phone call away, 304-279-3288. Thank right. you. Very good. Uh, both, we really appreciate you giving us the time this morning. Thank you very much. We've got a break to take. We'll continue the conversation of Panhandle Live here in just a moment on the Panhandle News Network. You're listening to Panhandle Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Scratch my back with lightning bolt. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online, too, at countryroadstire.com today. If you missed any or part of our conversation with uh, former Berkeley County Sheriff Nathan Harmon, we're going to be posting that interview in its entirety on our Panhandle News Network Spotify page. Uh, coming up here in just a couple of moments' time, but Marsha, our next guest joins us in studio as well. A little bittersweet. Mm. And as, as I was telling young uh, Luke, our next guest has been on WEPM longer than I have, uh, <laughs> and that is Dr. Mary Beth Bennett from the WVU Extension Office. And today is her last day in that post. Welcome in. Well, thank you. And I want to say hello to all the WAPM listeners out there. And I did did predate Marsha being on the radio. <laughs> I was here when Jay Young was the mm-hmm. DJ many, many years ago. So uh, I want to say hello to him. If he's out there, happen to be listening at all, or if you know him, please let him know. And I've been thinking of him. Um, it's, it is bittersweet. We had a party back when we had our Christmas party right before the break, and I've had a week off almost in between the Christmas and New Year's. So um, came in to tie up some loose ends. I like to take care of everything I can before I, I say goodbye and uh, make sure things are handled properly, which is my way of doing things. So, so how many decades have you been part of WVU Extension? What, three? Wow. So 29 and a little more over 29 years. So And probably overqualified <laughs> because I mean, you've got your doctorate. Um, you're mm-hmm. a legit lifetime farmer, mm-hmm. ag girl, ag right? Girl, yep. Um, and yet you came and, and gave you offered your expertise on on things as, as grand as, as livestock and as as, uh, you know, simple as as pests. Yeah. And and we've had the benefit of that yep. for the low these many years. Yep. It's been it's been interesting. I did, a, did many different things that I said I used to joke and tell people, you know, it's probably easier for me to talk about elephants than it was some of the things I get asked because I spent four years in Africa, you know, mm. learning. And I'm always reading. I'm reading different books. And I said, that's the one thing I said. I think, you know, it keeps you young if you keep your mind entertained. And I love to read books. And I'm a crafter. I, and I brought I brought a, they call it a comfort chicken in here, my master gardener's know me, know that I do things like that because I've donated things that I've made in the past to them for our um, silent auctions and fundraisers and whatnot. And they gave me this um, comfort chicken kit before Christmas. <laughs> and I was telling Marsha, I said, I have the original one here that they gave me, actually gave me the kit for. And I, I said, got to I, hung it. I've made, <laughs> I made like three or four other ones in addition that I'll, I plan on giving to different people and donating for the Master Gardeners as a fundraiser. So how has your task changed in these decades? Um, pretty much, but I mean, I deal with the farmers and I said, it's been kind of interesting. I, I was over with Barbie Linton Elliott this morning and I said, you know, it's kind of funny when I got a phone call, somebody coming in and they wanted to start farming, you know, and I said, well, it's kind of hard for me to say how to get started in farming because I kind of <laughs> grew into it. You know, my dad worked on the farm when I was born and I just grew up in the barn, you know, dealing with the calves and whatnot. 
So I said it was kind of hard to back up and say, wait a minute, what do you mean from the very beginning? But we try to give them resources and information. So that's been my big thing is I never profess to know everything. I said I always say, you know, let me get back to you. And lately it's been real entertaining. We used to have to copy things and mail them all out. Now it's send them links to the things on the Internet where they can read what they want to because we don't push anything on anybody. We let you make the decision about it, you know, however you want to deal with it. Well, has agriculture changed a lot, I guess, then in the eastern panhandle? I mean, you know, a lot of uh, townhomes probably sit on yeah, a lot of former farmland. That, that's what's really sad. And I said, I grew up in this valley. I grew up in Waynesboro and, and watching this whole interstate change. It's just <laughs> heartbreaking. I mean, I, I remember all the farms that used to be on here. And it's just really sad because I'm a dairy farm girl at heart. My I still have my one brother still has a uh, operating dairy farm up in Pennsylvania. But we've lost all our dairy farms in the county. We had 20-some when I started, and we're down to, I think there's one dairy farm in the county wow. that that still exists. And I said, that's really sad when you think about it. And there's only maybe two in Jefferson. I think somebody told me the other day, um, you know, that's really sad. when. Uh, but you look at ha- what the dairy farms consist of, and they become mega factories, you know, where they have thousands of cows. And I said... Ours was kind of nice because we had our pet cows. We knew them all by name, mm-hmm. you know, and then it got to be by numbers and whatnot. And I said, well, it's hard to compete yeah, if you're well, small. It is. It is. And I said, and, and the regulations that are put on, I said, and just helping our, our people here. Um, I work with the, the farmer's markets and the different producers with, with apples and uh, just to sell uh, milk in the, in the one market. They have to have a license. I said they license the people producing the milk. I mean, the, the, the dairy farm people have to go through health safety checks all the time. And then to make the people just all they do is put the bottle of milk in their cooler, you know, that you go pick up. And they have to have a certificate from the government to do that. And I said this is a little bit overregulated on some of these things. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting to see how we are, and I mean the food safety things, and I understand why they're being done because, uh, you know, it used to be you could do certain things a certain way and you were fine, but for some whatever reason we've gotten a little bit uh, lackadaisical maybe with how we handle things, and it becomes much easier to transmit different problems, so to speak, and uh, you know it's hard to tell. I mean I remember. I remember going out and picking hundreds of ears of corn and then chucking them, and then my mom would process them and freeze them, you mm-hmm. know. And I said, and you don't find that a whole lot anymore. But you do find as as um, as much as we have folks moving into the area who may have had no agricultural experience, there's a bit of a revival that's gone on, uh, and your master gardeners are are uh, privy to that firsthand when they when they do in services or things like the tomato fest. And there's so much interest from folks uh, in, in learning more. Well, we saw with COVID-19, especially we had a lot of people come back to wanting to grow their own food and produce. We've got a lot of people wanting to raise chickens now. And of course, I think Martinsburg still has a no chicken policy here in the, in the city limits. But if you live out in the County, you can have chickens. And I know, um, I know my friends down in Charleston got, I think they have a three chicken limit within Charleston, the capital. Is that enough? <laughs> three chickens? Well, if they're, if they're hens, they're laying hens, you can have nice eggs that way. But three, it's very minute. But, you know, people don't realize they, you, you have to handle them differently. You have to deal with them. And uh, 
some people, you know, I've even had people here call me up saying, I'm getting chickens. I said, do you have a coop? And they're like, huh? We said, we're just going to let them run free. And I said, now you're aware that you won't have them very long. I said, because they'll try and roost in the trees. I said, the hawks will come after them. The coyotes will come after them. Raccoons will try and steal the eggs. You know, there's all kinds of different things, and they don't even think about it. You know, it's we, this kind of institutional knowledge that we will miss <laughs> so much. So Dr. Mary Beth Bennett is with us, uh, WV Extension agent, and has been uh, a bevy of information for area farmers and, and uh, small-time, you know, gardeners and that. And I think I think folks will wonder, how does someone like you get replaced at WV Extension? Uh, good question, because they're going through financial problems right now. So um, word has it that they're it's probably a year out if they hire anybody for this position. Um, in the interim, what I'm telling people is that um, – Probably the best thing to do is call Emily over in Jefferson County, the extension agent over there. Um, I covered for her when she was on maternity leave twice. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I think for right now, you know, the best thing is give Emily a call and talk to her. And she's continuing the programs that I got started because I started the Master Gardener program in the area. I also started the West Virginia Summer Ag Institute, which the Farm Bureau takes care of now in a little different aspect. trying to think I would work with WEPM. I wrote a weekly column in the newspaper, already got something back from them saying, who, who can we ask to do this? I said, I don't think anybody's going to do it the way I did it. So because Emily right now does, I don't know if she does a monthly newsletter or quarterly newsletter. She does, she sends out email lists to the ag community. So they're just not doing what we used to do the old fashioned way. So it, it's kind of disheartening to hear, you know, that, but you know, they're getting information out there and they're working with farm to school, which I support. And it's kind of like with the ag in the classroom group, I'm very committed to the ag literacy. I think people really need to understand where their food and fiber come from. Well, you mentioned 29 years, you know, people say do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Is, is that a fair assessment? Pretty much. Yeah. And I said, it's bittersweet because I'll miss all the friends I've made down here. There's quite a few people that that I like to go visit and that's the the biggest thing and I'm I'm not from this area so when I go you know it's a 45 minute drive each day one way for me right now so um, I'm going to commit to coming down occasionally to visit with people but and then uh, I'm um, probably going to close that house up and move up with my husband near Penn State so it'll be a little further to go. Mm. So what does what does retirement look like? Will you end up at a beach? Somewhere? I, I doubt it. I was talking to my baby brother and I was kind of, he was kind of leaning towards going to Delaware. And then his wife informed us over Christmas that, that she wants to go to Florida. So I said, I don't know if I, that I'd go to Florida. I, I don't know that I could handle not having seasons. I think they have cows down there, though. Yeah, they, they have lots of cows down mm-hmm. there, but I'm not going to milk cows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. After after 29 years, nearly uh, three decades of service to the folks in Berkeley County and, and a bevy of information uh, and programs that you have started, uh, and, of course, your informative segments here on our radio station uh it's it's sad to see you go but we're happy that you're getting this opportunity to enjoy some time yeah. off and i don't know what i'm gonna everybody keeps asking me what i'm gonna do and i said i'm, I'm not too sure what i want to do so so i get older i said the the thing of going into schools and working with children kind of you know kind of makes me cringe <laughs> a little bit because you know i said you keep hearing and my great nieces and nephews are perfect examples. It seems that schools help spread different things like flus and viruses mm. and things like that. So you have to be a little bit aware of that as you get older too. And, uh, 
you know, I'm not sure which direction I'm going in, if I'm going to join the Master Gardeners up there or or what I'm doing yet. I'm just kind of taking it easy for now. I've got to sort through house, uh, go through houses, and I've got my my parents' things in my house and my my mother-in-law's things and have to sort that out and downsize from two houses to one. You're so going to stay gonna busy. that's going to be the biggest <laughs> thing for right now, yeah. Well, our guest this morning, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Dr. Mary Beth Bennett, congratulations on a, a long career. Congratulations mm-hmm. on your retirement, and uh, thank you for giving us the time this morning. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it, and it's not goodbye. It's just so long till I see everybody again. Okay, take care. <laughs> you too. Absolutely. We've got a break to take. We'll wrap up the show. On the other side, this is Panhandle Live. We're talking about the issues that matter most to you. Now, back to Panhandle Live. Final segment of Panhandle uh, Live. Luke Wiggs, Marsh Kavalik with you. We've got Hoppy Kirchival standing by with another edition of Metro News Talk Live coming up at the top of the hour. If you missed any or part of today's show, uh, and you're also welcome to comment, you can text us 304-263-4321. Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you. And Martinsburg and Hedgesville online, too, at countryroadstire.com today. But like we mentioned, our interviews with uh, Dr. Mary Beth Bennett and uh, former Berkeley County Sheriff Nathan Harmon will be posted in their entirety on our Spotify coming up in just a little bit, Marsha. And what I'll say from the Sheriff Harmon interview, uh, former Berkeley County Sheriff Nathan Harmon interview, is you know he came on to the show uh, under the intentions of making his voice heard and telling his side of the story. And I feel as though he, he covered a lot of ground and said everything that he felt he needed to be said. Absolutely. Um, and obviously there are folks from the county, I'm sure, who were listening uh, intently to, to his comments. Um and it should be said that those allegations that were brought up as part of the uh, the petition are not, you know, you know, he hasn't been indicted on any of those. He did plead guilty to a misdemeanor. Uh, so, you know, th- this story may not be quite over, uh, but we appreciate him coming in and being forthcoming. Certainly. And like you said, as those comments were made today, I'm sure it's going to spur an even more uh, conversation that we'll certainly be happy to bring you here on Panhandle Live. We'll be back tomorrow in our usual time slot. Like I mentioned, we're going to be posting this episode on our Spotify page coming up here in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Top of the hour. Hoppy Kirchival's got another edition of Metro News Talk Line. For Marsh Kavalik, I've been Luke Wiggs. We'll talk to you tomorrow. CST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.